Hello and welcome again to the famous CFC podcast where each episode offers a deep dive into Chelsea's remarkable history. My name's Gary Barone and I'm joined as usual by club historian Rick Glanville. How are you doing? Right, mate. How are you doing? Pretty good, thank you. Now, Rick, Emma Hayes and Chelsea women are breaking records, wowing mm-hmm. supporters and generally Absolutely. representing the Chelsea name superbly. But would they be the champions they are today without their early 1970s forebears, the original Chelsea ladies team? Well, that's a really good question. And um, although we've been celebrating three decades of the women's team being really closely affiliated to the club, you know, the the match they played recently against uh, Tottenham at, at Stamford Bridge, which was a real celebration of women's football, some might say this year is actually the 50th anniversary of Chelsea women. Well, I know of at least one person, and in a (laughs) moment, we're going to hear from Pat Budd, who captained what was then Chelsea's ladies in 1974 as a player, then a few years later became manager and then club secretary, basically Mm -hmm. running the show from 1981 to 1992, when they were on the cusp of the newly formed elite WFA National League. Correct, yeah, exactly. But first, Rick, for those who don't know the story of women's football in England, why did Chelsea ladies start as late as 1972 when a men's team had been around for for 67 years by then? (laughs) Great question, Gary. I think it's a national disgrace, actually, that uh, women and girls were effectively prevented from playing football, uh, organised football, for 50 years between 1921 and 1971 by the FA, the sports governing body in England. Um, female teams were banned from any FA-affiliated playing field, uh, so that's council, schools, everything, and referees were warned not to officiate uh, women's matches uh, on pain of being uh, having their status removed. That's, that's incredible, because basically that means back in mm. 1966, those glory days when we won the World Cup, yeah. women were banned from football. So you could have wives and girlfriends of our great players in 66 who weren't even allowed to play themselves. So until the ban, how popular was a women's game? Well, it was actually uh, incredibly uh, popular from about 1895 when the uh, first recorded women's match in England, which was a North, you'll like this, Gary, the North versus South London derby on the 23rd of March, 1895. this is the first recorded match. Obviously, there could have been ones that preceded it. And it was it took place at the Crouch End Athletic Ground in Hornsey. Um, as a North Londoner, obviously, <laughs> I mean, uh, you're a South Londoner, but I'm happy to say we taunt you lot 7-1. And really weirdly, I live a stone's throw from the pitch that this 1895 match took place on. And... I played mixed gender football matches on that pitch in the 1980s. Well, Rick, I'm delighted that you did, but I do think it's a bit unfair to you to get that North-South London dig in. <laughs> it's a bit painful, but um, I'll have to take your word for that, I'm afraid. Well, technically, Chelsea are north of the river, so I'm on the right side of the Thames. But, I mean, the other thing I want to say, Gary, is that the thing about this ban is that we lived through the first part of it. So... You know, up to 1971, women and girls were banned from playing organised football. At school, at my junior school, so when I was about seven or eight years old, something like that, um, in North London, have to get that in again, um, the best player in the kickabouts that we had in the playground, the best player was 
a girl called Bridget, who was actually, she'd come over with her parents who were on some kind of, uh, through work or whatever, were living in, in London for a year. And she was the best player on the pitch. Now, she couldn't play in a boys' team, obviously. She couldn't play on a council pitch. She couldn't even play in a school girls' team because these things were banned by the organising body of English football. It's just incredible. Anyway, to carry on with the narrative, um, really when women's football came into its own was uh, during World War I when the men were away fighting and obviously women signed up to be uh, what were called land girls. They did uh, work in factories, for munitions factories. Everything was geared towards, uh, towards the war efforts. But women's teams were able to play football. Men's ca- men carried on in, in a sort of regionalised competition, of we've, as we've talked about in a previous podcast. But um, there were some really... Uh, teams that really rose to prominence and one of them which team that was really big in the 1920s uh, that sounds like a bit like qpr being big in the 80s doesn't it um was a famous factory-based team called dick kerr ladies they were really like the harlem globetrotters of women's football in england anyway and they played very well attended showcase fixtures against opponents from around the country as well as in europe in fact in 1920 dick kerr ladies um, played a fixture, very well-publicised fixture at Stamford Bridge against a French national team, watched by about 10,000 people, which was a kind of reasonable crowd. Um, but that was one of the last big uh, international matches before the FA's banned. Uh, and the FA, the reason that they gave for banning football, uh, women from playing football, was they considered it, you won't believe it, quite unsuitable quite unsuitable for females and ought not to be encouraged. Um, pressure for change, the lifting of the ban, really came after the war, um, and especially with the rise of feminism in the 1960s and the argument, obviously, that that started to gain some traction was women had been given the vote in 1918, you know, to vote in... UK elections for the first time in 1918. Then three years later, they're banned from playing football. So, but 50 years later, how can that still be, that ban still be in place? Anyway, it was lifted in 1971 and Chelsea or Chelsea supporters uh, were amongst the first groups to get together and organise a team uh, attached to a big football club. Um a year later, so that was 1972 that Chelsea Ladies was founded. So that we were pioneers then and really hit the ground running, eh? Uh, they absolutely did. They won the League and Cup double in their second and third seasons, which is, I mean, puts them probably the most successful uh, Chelsea-affiliated unit, club, at any level, um, compared to much better compared to the men who, let's remember didn't win anything for 50 years. Um, okay, reserves and youth team won things, but uh, it's worth remembering that it was a really slow burn for the men's, whereas the women sort of hit the ground running. Um, people may remember back in the day of that early women's football, the revival of, of women, the women's game, Millwall Lionesses were a very successful 
standout club in women's football. And that's who Chelsea beat in the 1974 League Cup final. Okay, so were Chelsea ladies, as they were then called, officially affiliated to the men's club? Well, we're going to hear what Pat, Pat's got uh, views on that and, and she'll explain that in a moment. But um, not really. I think it's safe to say it was they, they were. I think the the men's side of the the club treated it as a little bit of a novelty, which is really a terrible thing to say. But they did sort of report on them. You'd see photos of them when they, after they'd won a cup every now and then, uh, and they were invited to open days occasionally. In Hampshire, um, women competed for a trophy named after our then all-time greatest goal scorer, Bobby Tambling. That's in the mid-70s. And at the same time, uh, another 1970s legend and 80s coach, Johnny Hollins, he was actually president of the Chelsea Ladies Club. That's really interesting. So let's hear all about the original Chelsea Ladies from our guest, Pat Budd, who played such a big part in their history. If you're bored of the US Netflix, why not just take it for a spin in the UK? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you with over 5,000 plus server options. No show is out of your reach. Using my link, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue, you can receive a huge discount on a two year plan plus one free month. We all love to binge, but look, privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an affected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there's literally no risk when you use our 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue you a refund. You can pretend the entire situation never happened. Check out my link again. That's nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue to get your subscription started today. So Pat, take us back to when you were first involved with Chelsea Ladies and talk through the various roles that you had. Um, Well, I first got involved with Chelsea Ladies. um, Well, I originally, I actually played for QPR Ladies. Oh, no. And um, yes, I did. As, as a matter of fact, I'm a QPR fan, actually. Oh. Uh, but, all, but most of my family are all Chelsea. So, oh, uh, but yeah, I kind of got involved with um, Chelsea Ladies. Um, I saw an advertisement in, which would be an old magazine that you used to uh, see at the stations called Miss London. Oh, yes. So give that. it out. And yeah. Yeah, they used secretarial to jobs through. and everything, wasn't it? I remember That's that. It, yeah, and um, so I, I, remember, I always used to pick one up, and I actually saw in there that Chelsea ladies were looking for players, and I, I, I gave them a ring. Um, spoke to a woman called Pat Fennick, and oh yeah. Um, so off I trot. Yeah, so off I trotted to uh, to in Broadway. Um, <laughs> met a few girls there at the station. And off we went to this training session, and uh, it kind of all started from there. Then was that the school? Uh, was that in the? Because they used to train at a school, didn't they, with floodlights? That's it. Yeah, on concrete. It wasn't no grass. It was just old concrete, <laughs> uh, like a like a, a school a school ground, uh, pit, you know, like 
concrete or that thing, you know. I mean, uh, yeah, plenty of uh, bruises and grazes from that. Because <laughs> <laughs> they started off, I think, obviously the, the, the Chelsea ladies started in 1972. I think you came along in 1975 and they'd started training at... 74, 75, yeah. Yeah. Oh, 74, 75, okay. 70, around about 74, 75. Yeah, and they trained at Clapham Common originally, didn't they, which is very exposed and open and public. Yeah, originally tra- trained at Clapham Common, and then we went over to uh, Tooting Broadway, and um, st- I wasn't there when they trained in Clapham Common. No. Um, I only ever knew was um, Tooting Broadway. And, that, and um, like I say, at the time, there was a woman called Pat Fennick that was actually there. Mm-hmm. Um, she was running the team. But prior to that, there was a um, there was a Bob Hubbard. He um, he was the manager there. I think Pat Fennick was more like secretarial down that line, uh, um, okay. sorting out the secretary Admin. things. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, and then Bob Hubbard. Um, I remember him. Um, and then he went on to Fulham. He went on to Fulham. Uh, Friends of Fulham. Then Bob, and uh, bless uh-huh. him, he's passed away now. Our Bob. Um, uh-huh. But he went on to Friends of Fulham. And then um, Pat Fennick basically took over, mm-hmm. um, and then she left, uh, and then I took I took the role on, and uh, I was right there till the end. Well, where was John Martin involved? Do you remember John Martin? Well, he was he was the manager when they played in this. Um, this is when Chelsea uh, Chelsea ladies actually run what they won the, the treble, where they won the league cup. Uh, they won the league. And then they won the uh, League Five aside, so they done the treble. Mm-hmm. And I know that John Martin was in charge then. I believe he was there for the whole of the when they won the treble, which was I yeah seventy three seventy four. Got it. That's incredible because that's their second season, basically doing the treble in the second season of existence. That's incredible. It's a real achievement. Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, uh, like I say, I wasn't with them then, like you know. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they. Uh, they done the they done the treble there, then they done the treble in seventy four. No, they done the double in seventy four, seventy five, which was the um, that was the first attempt. They won the league championship and the league cup winners uh, in seventy four, seventy five, beating Rumford one nil in the uh, cup final. <laughs> what an That's achievement! That's magnificent. When you think that women hadn't really been playing football very long at that time, because you know, the FA had banned women from playing on, uh, girls or women playing on municipal pitches up until 1971. So to s- sort of come in and and uh, win the treble like that, it's, a, it's quite a significant achievement. Yes, it was. It was. Uh, and then, like, I mean, you know, what the achievement they won through 72 right through to the end at 92 um, I mean, I've got papers of it, and uh, I did have a load of trophies, but I can't find them. Some are broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been up in the loft. So for 81, you were basically running the show, weren't you? You were manager, coach, and club yes, secretary, I, I think. Yeah. For yeah. your sins. Yeah, I, I, I kind of um, kit wash, washer and... <laughs> When you see a lot of photos, a lot of us got Chelsea tops on, Chelsea kit, but 
not very matching. If, if one will have right. an old shirt where we, some will have the newer up-to-date shirt. <laughs> um, you know, um, times are hard then. You, we all had to pay for football out of our own pockets. We wasn't sponsored. We'd had no sponsors. Um, if anything, we, we'd sell a few uh, football cards to raise a bit of money for the club funds, that kind of thing. Um, yes, mm-hmm. it was good. It was, it was hard, and especially when playing over the old Hackney Marshes. That was your home ground. Well, it was Clapham Common to start off with. I wasn't right, around gotcha. then, and then but Hackney I only Marshes. joined when they yeah. went to Hackney Marshes. Right. And yeah. um, if you know anything about Hackney Marshes, there was a hundred pitches on there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, and our kickoff was always at three o'clock, and you'd have the men playing there in the morning, which were, if I remember rightly, were eleven o'clock kickoffs. Yeah. Right. Most of the men played it on the Sunday morning. They had 11 o'clock kickoffs. By the time we got there, uh, we'd finally get over this silly bridge. It was only one car could go <laughs> over this bridge on over to the marshes. And there are times we've had to sit there and wait for all the cars to come out uh, over the bridge before we can actually get there. Uh, uh-huh. So anyway, we'd get there and then we'd walk into a changing room, oh, God. completely caked with mud. Uh, um, no hot water, um, hardly anything there to get a drink. So, but that was that's what <laughs> we had to put. Oh, by the way, we used to put our own nets up. Oh We'd yeah. Take our own, well, we had to hire the we had to hire the nets and hire our um, uh, corner flags. Um, but we'd all troops over with these fla- uh, nets and flags, and finally find our pitch number, and then we'd uh, oh, one one lot would go down one end of the. Uh, Get the goal. We literally lift the goalposts out, lay them down, put the uh, nets on them, and then all together up, and then into the <laughs> slots, and then peg them all down. I mean, we every, every time we had a home game, we had to do that. Um, and um, yeah, they were hard times. And uh, I, I recall one day that I decided I'll get there early so we can get over that bridge before having to wait for about a hundred cars to come over. <laughs> Um, so anyway, I decided to get there early. I had a few of us. I said, come on, girls, let's find where our pitch is. Let's go and put the nets up. And so when the rest of the girls get there, we haven't got a panic and run around putting yeah. these nets up. Yeah. They're already there. So when the rest of the girls get there, I said, right, nets are all done, girls. We can have a good team talk here. We ain't got a panic and run out. And uh, so <clears throat> we start, the away team arrives, and we start walking over to our pitch mm-hmm. and as the nearer we was getting we thought that's that, that's not our pitch is it and then we oh, there no. was a men's team playing on it oh you're so joking we went, hold on no i'm not joking this is a godson is true so anyway we went ref 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 <laughs> and he was ignoring us we went ref this is our pitch they're playing on our pitch so he totally ignored us so we just looked at each uh. other and went right and we started to take the nets down while they were playing <laughs> and the refs come and said what are you doing what are you doing we said, this is our pitch. These are our nets. They weren't happy. But <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, there were there were incidents uh, that we all had to put up with. And uh, I mean, the, the picture you paint there, the referee ignoring you, paints a really bad image of how men treated uh, female players at, at that time. Was there a lot of sexism? Was it difficult to sort of be taken seriously when you were doing things like that? 
well, we did. Um, you know, we kind of had people coming along and seeing women playing, and uh, which I'm sure this happened to lots of teams, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you're playing on park pitches. Uh, you know, where anyone can be walking along, or yeah. and um, yes, you got a lot of um, abuse. Uh, uh, the women they can't play football. Yes, we did get a lot of that. Mm. But listen, for the love of the game, we we just got on with it, and then sometimes they sit and go, oh, they can play. And then they realised we can play football. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we took it on the shoulder, took it with a pinch of salt because we love the game. Pat, that's, that's twice you've mentioned that, and it comes over so strongly that it was for the love of the game because there was no great rewards or accolades. You did it because you loved it, and you put, put yeah, up with a lot of that- rubbish as well. So that's, that's brilliant spirit. Um, but talking of that, though, about what it was like for young girls then, if they wanted to play football, what did they have to do? Do they play at youth club schools or did they have to join the boys' team? Well, to, to be honest with you, um, I, I kind of, me personally as a kid myself, my my father was uh, a footballer um, uh-huh. uh, and I used to go with my dad every time. And when he, uh, I didn't play out with the kids, I was always with my dad because he ran a football team on a Saturday and uh-huh. he ran a football team on a Sunday. So I was always with him, and that's where my love of football come from. Because right. it was just me, this little kid, like you know, waiting outside the changing rooms and kicking a ball on that, you know. So, um, but yeah, that's. Uh, but I never ever kind of um, always thought there. I never thought there was any women's teams around myself. Um, and it wasn't until as being a QPR fan and. Um, used to go and support them and uh, saw in the programme one day, I went, oh, there is women's teams. And that's where it <laughs> kind of started with me. But with some of the others, um, I never realised, I didn't know whether any of them really went and played for in boys' teams. And I, I believe some of them did. But, um, uh, I mean, we had such a, we had young, I had youngsters coming through to me when I was in charge. Oh. And um, I kind of took them under my wing as well because, yeah. uh it was either I, I, I can remember them now. They were fan, one of them. Well, two of them were fantastic players, absolutely skill. And uh, you just kind of looked and thought, if only you was to take your football serious, you could have gone really? so much further. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Little Diane Harrington, um, Jeanette Smith, um, uh, brilliant, brilliant players. Skill. You couldn't believe the skill that they've they had. Mm. That. But um, yeah, yeah. It was. Um, you know, I loved it all, and I still love it to this day. Playing, I can play walking football myself now. Uh-huh. You know, so uh, yeah. But I suppose there was no <laughs> career path, was there, Pat? It's not like the boys would think, "Oh, one day I could grow up and I could be Charlie Cook or Peter Osgood or something." You know that. That's it. There were no role models, mm-hmm. so it's understandable no, that those youngsters, your young women, would not look at someone and say, "I could aspire to be them." No, there wasn't. It wasn't like, you know, we didn't kind of, we couldn't look at it and say, oh, I'm going to be a woman footballer, um, you know, because it wasn't there at, at the time. Mm. I mean, the game has moved on absolutely so fast now, I believe, especially yeah. now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you look at it and you think, wow, uh, you know, we all, all I've got to be honest, if you and me and my friends go, if only we were 35, 40 yeah. years younger. Like, you know. <laughs> no, quite right. Natural. But so uh, yeah, because yeah, obviously it wasn't then. It wasn't there. There was no professional football women then. 
you know, a few, I know a few of the girls actually went off to like um, uh, Holland and played. Uh, I, I knew uh, a few of them, can't remember their names now, but I know a few of them went abroad and to the play. USA. They got paid to yeah. play. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, no, we just struggled on the way we was. And, uh, but you played for the love of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm interested. I know it's slightly before your time, but I think it was um, Debbie Hollingshead, one of your, someone that you played with back in the uh, mid 70s, who talked about how the team was actually first recruited. I think it was a fellow called Ted Larkin. So that's right. Three or four of them on the terraces in the shed end at Stamford Bridge and said, Can you, can you play the game as well as you can shout about it or sing about it? That's right. And I think they were all playing for the Jeep. That I think the Royal Mail had a a football, a women's GPO. football term. GPO, they played for sorry. the GPO, yeah. So, so there was that structure there. For the GPO was encouraging women to play football. Well, they played. They worked for the GPO, and that's where they kind of. And I do believe that they were called the Chelsea Bluebells. Ah, originally, right. yes, called Chelsea Bluebells, and then Ted Larkin. Decided to change them to Chelsea Ladies, right, and that's gotcha. where kind of Chelsea Ladies started, which was around around seventy one, seventy one, kind of seventy two. Yeah, um, because then we were formed in seventy two under Chelsea Ladies. I think they couldn't find a pitch, could they? That was the problem when seventy one. They didn't. They didn't have a kind of regular pitch, though. Training and no, things. No. I mean, you know, when you think about it, you were talking about the kits and you've t- we've talked about the pitches and things like that, but the general structure, like when you were in charge of the of the team, how much support did you get from the leagues? Because you were in regional leagues, let's make it clear that you were pioneers, so it was all like a, a, reg- a local league rather than a national league, wasn't it? So how much support did you as, as women, as female footballers, how much support did you get from the the league and and others? Well, it was the Women's Football Association at the time, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Which was the WFA. Um, we joined the WFA. That's when the leagues, they, they, they was the governing body, which is WFA, Women's Football Association. Um, I mean, obviously we just joined. We we, we joined the, uh, the London Women's League and then we went on to different, uh, leagues as we were getting better if we won promotion and we were kind of, but uh, when you say support um like financial or you know encouragement no no, or no, no way no not financial no no no, no. no they used to fine us quite a lot though <laughs> <laughs> you know we'd always get fined like you know what i mean was this for bookings pat are you telling us you used to get booked <laughs> Not me, not me. No, of course not. I got sent off. I got sent off once against Arsenal. Hey, and, well, um, fair enough. Yeah, we yeah, we'll encourage yeah, that. I, yeah, I got sent off, and that's my first time I ever been sent off. And I wouldn't mind she smacked me, and I was kind of. You know, but no, uh, no, um, no uh, well, same old it, Arsenal. It, no, you didn't get that so much support from the WFA. No, no. No, as much as I knew the people that run it, because used to go to league meeting, used to go to league, used to go up to uh, Bracknell for a league meeting from from London, no, from Stevenage actually, up yeah. to go up to league meetings in Bracknell. And if you didn't go up to it, I mean, it was a long way. You got fined. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, but support, no, no, there was no 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 support in any kind of financial way with the WFA, not at all. No. And how yeah. would you get to games? 
Did you have a coach? No, no, we didn't have coaches. We just had cars and some of them may have to get a train down and we pick them up at stations. Not many of us had that. We didn't have not many of us had cars. Mm-hmm. But I did have a job. I did have a job, which I was doing a driving job. And I had a kind of big transit van. Brilliant. <laughs> and uh, I know it's not allowed today, but the whole team pulled in the back of that <laughs> transit van. And off we'd go. And many a time we'd meet at um, Hammersmith Station because most of our most of our games was up like going up the M4 yeah. or kind of all, always that way or Southampton, all kind of the, them areas. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I used to uh, pile them all in the back of my transit van kit as well. <laughs> and uh, off we'd go. Girls would throw a quid in or a couple of quid towards petrol. And that's a lot of the times how we used to get to games. <laughs> We're not allowed today. You can't do that. <laughs> Having played a little bit of football before to a much lower standard than you yeah, did, both of us. I knew yeah. what it was like sometimes with some of the young men having a few drinks on a Saturday night and not turning up on a Sunday. Uh, were, were the ladies as reliable as that? Um, <laughs> uh, no, no. I'll be honest, no. Um, I had a few of them that I used to go around and pick up in the morning. And uh, we look back on it now, you know, you just laugh at it. But I go knocking on the door, telling them they've got to be ready by a certain time because we've now got, let's say, um, down to Portsmouth or it's always a long yeah. away game. Or And I used to turn up at their door, knock on the door, and then I'd knock again and then the door get open and they're still in bed. <laughs> and <laughs> So just as unreliable as young men. Brilliant. Oh yeah, yeah. These were the young ones, like you know, and uh, so I take that. But you know, no, they were the good, they were good times, really. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd get really annoyed and I say, "Oh, come on, you're going to make us late." But uh, no, it was just they'd been out and had a few beers the night before. <laughs> you got on with some of the other teams, did you? I mean, it was a very social game, wasn't it? The, uh, the women's game in the back in the seventies, I think. Particularly the lower stuff players, was yeah, it? Lower stuff. Lower stuff. You, stuff you used to have yeah. a drink and a sing song with them and stuff. Absolutely, they was at, and yet they was our rivals. They were, right. they were, they was our real nemesis. You know, we yeah, yeah. It was always a fantastic game with them. They never ever thrashed us, and we never ever thrashed them. It was always <laughs> a couple of goals in it, and it was always always a really good match game. But yeah, the lowest stuff ga- um, games I can remember because you had uh, Angie Poppy uh, who played for England. Um, they had a couple of England players in their squad, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, we used to get on really well with them. Really get on well with them. Uh, like you say, when we go there, we'd always end up having a good old drink and a sing song after the game <laughs> and then pile into your transit for the way for the journey home yeah and then pile into my transit for the way home yes yeah we used to go to a lot of football tournaments as well we the girls loved the football tournaments um we used to go to um it was called Highfields down in Clacton and it was run by Tim Stern who uh, he was he had a company called Sport in London and he used to put this tournament on every um, I mean, there was every year, like, and there was teams coming from all over the country just to go to this tournament because it it weren't just the football; it was the camaraderie, the the, the, the fantastic time. Everyone loved Highfields, like, you know. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. But Pat, you didn't actually took looking at the grounds as well. You towards the end, you didn't. You moved to a new stadium, is that right? Like one of your own stadium, really? Well, yeah, it was. Um, 
we was invited to go and play uh, to at Biggles Wage United football ground because mm-hmm. um, the, the pitch wasn't being used on a Sunday. Um, so uh, I put it to all the girls and said, look, we're fed up with Hackney Marshes and trying to get over that bridge and <laughs> dirty, rotten changing rooms and no no hot showers. And also, because we were moving into a, we were moving up to the leagues, you had to have the facilities. Right. You couldn't just turn up any old. You had to have um, shower facilities. You had to have somewhere where you could give the um, the, the visiting team sandwiches, food, drink. So this was all tied in with your progress, really, that you were growing yes, as did. a club and that you needed the yeah. facilities to suit the league. Absolutely. I think it was the Great London, I think. Mm. Uh, we couldn't win the league because they wanted to know all about where we play, what our ground was like. And if you had to fill the uh, criteria, uh, which we did. So we, we decided to uh, play at Biggles Wage United up in uh, Bedfordshire. That was the Greater London Regional Premier League, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, yeah. You think it was? I know yeah. we've gone into the, in the, the home, home counties. counties. That's right. And then oh, you yeah. went into the Greater London Regional Premier League. And you did really That's well it. in that as well, didn't you? Yes, we did. We did. We couldn't go into the, um, which was, they got the Super League, was only taking league winners only. Uh, mm-hmm. We become a runner-up, so we wasn't invited into it. But yeah, so Biggles Wage United, uh, wow, it was it was great. We had our own mappy changing room. We had shower. There was a clubhouse. Uh, it, it was ideal. It really was ideal. But I'll give you a you, Every one of them, they drove up there, you know, from London, from all over. Some of them 40, 50 miles to come up just to play uh, Biggles Wage United. And that's the type of team we was, you know. We'd, we'd do all that kind of thing for each other. Brilliant. Pat, you painted a really interesting picture of overcoming all these obstacles and logistical situations with very limited support from anyone. But during this time, Chelsea ladies proved to be the best in the league and cup competition. Are there any standout performances that spring to mind when you think of all those successes? God, you're asking me to go back some years now. This <laughs> is 20 years. <laughs> um, yeah, um, you know, we come up against, I mean... There was times when we were coming up against the likes of Friends of Fulham, Millwall, your Arsenal, because Arsenal were just kind of uh, come along. And um, Arsenal were never there when we was mm-hmm. in our football early days. Um, and, uh, yes, they had all England players. But I'll tell you what, we, we give them a good run for their money. Uh, we never kind of – we always lost to them because they had internationals on that uh, – but um, yeah, I think uh, um, uh, when you say any outstanding like games uh, that we could be proud of, um, well, you won cup finals. I mean, that's something to be proud of. Yes, yes, we was we won cup finals. Very proud of them. Um, uh, even down to winning, um, which was the high, even the Highfields Cup, we won that, and uh, you know that's. That was an amazing achievement because you got all these teams turning up and we kind of got through to the final. Um, uh, I think we, we we got through to the plate. That's right. We got knocked out of the actual final. We go into the plate and we gone into the plate and I think we won the plate. Oh, so you finished third kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Considering you actually like the Donny Bells there, the Doncaster Bells were there. All the top um, teams of the time. Yeah. ladies. Yeah. You had, no, they weren't called Tottenham. They were called Spurs ladies. Very good sides. 
Mm. Uh, you know, um, we we kind of held our own with them all, but unfortunately, we were all getting we was all getting a little bit too old now, and um, <laughs> which is a shame because there wasn't so many youngsters coming through. And um, I'm afraid when we were getting a bit of knocks and things like that, they wasn't healing as quick. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Happens to us all, Pat. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So, um, but yeah. Um, yeah, there was cup finals. We'd won, you know. It's like like I say against the uh, Lowestoft. We beat Lowestoft in the um, in this in the cup, and um, then we had them again. And uh, which was where was it? I can't remember where it was now. But um, uh, we got to the ground, waiting for them to arrive in their coach, and their coach broke down. So <laughs> the game never got played, which is a shame because everyone was there and. We didn't have the team to play, but, but because we were moving leagues the next season, we never got to really play, uh, play that final. So Lowestoft took it really. Uh, but I suppose but, that uh, shows yeah. the lack of resources, doesn't it? That, that something like that would happen. That one of the teams, the coach, uh, you know, yeah, coach or their transport down, yeah. breaks down. And yeah. but, but it's interesting you mentioned that because I know that there was, in the Chelsea program there was a photo. Uh, in the mid seventies, of Chelsea ladies with John Hollins, who was the president of the of the club, wasn't he? And that was a mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was for um, that was a, a, a cup final of, of of some sort. So tell that us about how final. League Cup final. There you go. And John Hollins, John Hollins As was the there. Yeah, he was president. Yeah, but you didn't really have close ties with Chelsea Football Club at all, did you? Not really. Um, uh, they kind of recognised us. They, like you say, they put a, a couple of captions into their um, programs mm-hmm. to say, "Oh, that the Chelsea, the Chelsea ladies had won this. We'd won things and that." And they kind of recognised us in that way, but not to what today's uh, extent is. How do you think it would have benefited you if there would have been closer ties? Oh, I think it would have benefited us an awful lot because. Um, one, it would have been, you know, we wouldn't have to, I'm, I'm sure they would have kind of supplied us a bit of kit, even if it was second-hand kit. Matching kit, yeah. Uh, and it, matching kit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not saying that we was begging for money, but some kind of something towards to give us. Like I say, even it was a couple of match balls or, yeah. you know, because we had to pay for this all out of our own pockets. All nice. out of our own pockets. Yeah. I, I had a, um, I got made redundant. Um, from one of my a job, and uh, I got a bit of redundancy, redundancy money, so it wasn't a lot. And um, and I kind of do you remember the Chelsea white kit? It had mm. like this. It was white with this kind of little bit of blue in uh, uh, white socks, white shorts, white top. We loved the kit. <laughs> and uh, so what I done is uh, right. Uh, I went and bought the whole kit for the team. Wow! At me redundancy money, but I said <laughs> to him, I said right. You lot have got to pay me back. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, did we look smart? Uh, and we love that kit. We absolutely love that kit. Like, you know, um, but uh, yeah, so that was the only time I think we had a whole proper proper kit, you know, where we was all looking the same. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, yeah. Pat, you were far from a novelty act, but the ladies were invited to play in some memorable charity games, weren't they? Yes, um, played in um, uh, an All Stars, and it's, 
an All-Stars match in 1980. It was kind of... Uh, we used to have a guy that used to kind of do a lot for us. Uh, his name was Alan Harris. He, I mean, he kind of organised it for us to go and play in this charity match against these all-stars. Steve Perryman played in that, didn't he? Steve they? Perryman, yeah. Stevie Perryman. There was um, David Diddy Hamilton. He was one <laughs> of the DJs. <laughs> so it's a celebrity and uh, former players. Yes, kind yeah. Of combination. And uh, yeah. we had Andrea Redfern. Um, Brucey Force type. Is it twelve? Yeah. I bet she had a good game. Good game. <laughs> <laughs> well, she came out to the centre centre spot as we we're ready to kick off, and she came out in these. Well, I've never seen high heels like it. <laughs> I mean, she she wobbled across this pitch, got to the centre spot, and went to had to kick the ball to set the get start the game off, and that. And of course, we couldn't do nothing until she got back off the pitch. <laughs> so. But yeah, um Anna Ross eat your heart out, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um yes, we were I can remember we were we were winning. I can't remember the score now because I just can't find anything on it. Mm-hmm. I was trying to look it up to But, but these we were are basically winning. former men's players, aren't they? Steve Perryman, the top yes, midfielder and other other ones. And you were beating them. I say we were beating them and the referee would not blow the whistle because everyone uh, was going mad uh, on the touchline. Uh, My uh, family were there. He would not blow that whistle. It went way into overtime uh, until they equalised. If I remember they equalised and we were so disappointed because they couldn't be seen to lose into a, a women's team like, you know, um, yeah, well they they were they were good days. They were good days then. I remember that. Uh, you know, mm. it was it was but yeah, Anthea Red um, kicked with her high heels and it was like Oh, well, here we go. <laughs> but I can't remember. I know there was lots of DJs, lots of ex-professional players. There were a couple of Tottenham players, but I, I know Stevie Perryman was one. And, you um, nutmegged one of like them, I didn't say. you, Pat? Sorry? Yeah, Stevie, nutmeg- Stevie Perryman, yeah. <laughs> Stevie Perryman, I, I nutmegged him. <laughs> I'm surprised <laughs> he didn't bring you down, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, listen, um, I'm... You know, it's not just us as Chelsea ladies. There was many a team around us that struggled the same as we did. And, you know, if it weren't for the people that that struggled and stayed with these teams to keep them going, you know, everyone's putting their own time in, their own... But you were the lifeblood, Pat. That's the thing. All the people that strive like this, we all know it. Anyone who's played football at any level knows that there are people that are behind the scenes that are just making sure that everything, that there's 11 people out there, you know, and there's a pitch mm-hmm. to play on and there's a kit that's clean and there's transport and everything like that. And it's, you know, mm-hmm. I've managed teams myself. It's a it's a nightmare. So I completely yeah. empathise. And then especially when you have to pick a team and then you kind of drop one and, and then you get the earache. And uh, so, I mean, <laughs> to me, they were my friends, but... If any of them there were sitting here now listening to me, they would give me hard grief I, in this ear, out that ear, over the top, and then I'd get an apology at the end that they sorry about it and it's fine. So why you had to be. You had to be. You know, wasn't there to pick me, mates. And <laughs> But, uh, yeah, loved every minute of it. Pat, on a darker note, we still hear some quite awful stories of predatory men ruining lives, including even in the USA and England national women's teams. Was anyone looking after your safeguarding back in the day? Well, not really. Um, but you just kind of had to be, um, 
this is a hard one, really, but uh, you just have to be responsible yourself and have a bit of savvy about you. Um, but if you did see something like that, then you, me as manager or whatever, then you protect your girls and that. But personally, in my team was because when I moved, it was just both was women managers. There wasn't any men involved mm. in our team. Um, but uh, yes, I did hear a few stories about some teams and that, but uh, um, it, it did go on, put it that way, it did go on. But I cannot remember, and then I'm not prepared to sit here also and and uh, mention any names also. No, but it's a... Because it that was, would be wrong. But it's still ha- the fact that it's still happening now. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm amazed it's still happening now. Yeah. I am absolutely amazed at that, especially now with this day and age of you know, people being watched. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, there's I'm social media and, you know, people can, there's all kinds of, you'd think it'd be more, be more transparency about these things. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, who, the other thing is, were there any players who came through Chelsea Ladies in your time who went on to be bigger stars, you know, play for England or anything like that? I think there could have been. There could have been a, a, quite a few of them. But unfortunately, mm. they they didn't take their football that serious, and yet they were such. I mean, they look back on it now and think, "Oh, why did I?" You know. Um, but yeah, there was one Jill Staples. Oh yeah. Uh, she, she got an England call up for training. I don't think she ever got no. to play, but she that was seventy six, wasn't went, it? Something like that, I think. Yes, yeah. She was a fantastic little player, Jill Staples, tiny, but could she tackle? She was like, you know, uh, only little. But she mm. played defence. I mean, she would take the legs off. Fantastic <laughs> little player she was. Tough, tough. I mean, it's a different game now. You know? I mean, you know, most of us have got scars all over our legs, and you know, especially me um, from that. But also, that's be- that that's down to grounds as well. When you'd have to play on a ground that's like you know, like rock hard, and yeah. um, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. But no, I, I mean, getting back to that, um, like I say, uh, um, I never knew it. There was none. I never knew any of it in my team when I mm. was there. Mm-hmm. Um, not that we had that many. We didn't have many in our team. We didn't have anyone involved in memoirs. Oh, we we had uh, one guy. He become he he was uh, from Biggleswage United. And he was actually their physio uh, for Biggleswage United. And he used to come along with our games and be our physio. But mm-hmm. he was lovely. He was Dennis. He was a lovely guy. Uh, no problem there with him. Good to hear. Now you'd mm-hmm. guided the club to runners up in the Premier League, Premier Division of the Greater London Women's Football League, as we've discussed. But then, the, in like 1992, the club sort of disbanded. I mean, what went wrong? Well, what basically went wrong there? We we kind of, um, if if you look at your kind of like your Arsenal's, um, I mean, Arsenal used to turn up to our ground in a 50, ground at a 52 seater coach. <laughs> Um, and it was yeah. like, wow, you're you're very lucky. Uh, um, whereas us, we're all in our cars and that mm. kind of thing. You know, we're very lucky, the Arsenal, because they got the because it, it was a JVC at the start at the beginning. It was a yeah. JVC centre that was the sponsors for them, and uh, I knew that for a fact because uh, uh, one of her girls that used to play for me, she went and joined Arsenal. Uh, well, actually, she didn't join Arsenal. She went to Alsbury United Women's uh, Alsbury Women's Football Club. Yeah, and I don't know if you know how Arsenal actually come around to being Arsenal ladies. No. Um, um, 
uh, Aylesbury Women Football Club, Alicia, who played for them, she was working for the JVC Centre at Arsenal. I remember it was an indoor facility. I remember that. My son's played in there. Yeah. So, Alicia, they said they wanted to get a women's team at Arsenal. So, basically, what they'd done, they picked up the whole of Aylesbury. No. They they disbanded and took them over there and then called them Arsenal. Uh-huh. But they, they thought they could go straight up into the top rank. Yeah. No, you can't do that. You can't just <laughs> come in. You have, They had to start, like, from third division, I think, yeah, and yeah. work their way up over the couple of seasons. Yes, they did. They came into the third division, I think, and they won that league, boom. They won the second league, boom. And then they were up there and they've been up there ever since. Like, you know, But that was originally... Uh, Alsbury Women Football Club. That oh, Arsenal <laughs> is that story. <laughs> yes, yes. Not many people know that. No. But, uh, More people yeah, know about it now, though. Yeah, because um, I used to. We used to play against um, Alsbury as well. A very, very good side. Very mm. good side. A couple of England players in there as well in the Alsbury team. Uh, I mean, Alsbury's about oh, 30, 40 miles from. London, something like that. Yeah, Yeah, it's just sort of northwest, uh, northwest of London, isn't it? Buckinghamshire, I think. Buckinghamshire, that's it. Buckinghamshire, that's it. Aylesbury Bucks. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'm thinking about Aylesbury Ducks. Now, Pat, for the women's match against Tottenham recently at the Bridge, there were big banners hailing the 30th anniversary. But we all Mm -hmm. know, really, it's 50, isn't it? I'd like to think it is. Well, it is. Yeah, it is. I just feel so that these 20 years. That gap between 72 to 92 mm-hmm. is missing. It's missing. And mm. I feel very strongly about that. Um, I, I'm, I'm so pleased with the new, the way the football is going today and the new Chelsea. Emma Hayes is doing a fantastic job with them girls. Um, you know, I do watch them. I watch them when they're playing and I think, well, they are top notch. Mm-hmm. They really are. She's got them going great. And, uh, but, when you go on the website and you just see it from 92 to present mm. and uh, it kind of, it, it's upsetting to think, you know, we, we started that. We did start that. Yeah, and uh, there's, to me, 20 years missing, 20 years missing and no disrespect, but you've only got to look at our record of what we won from 72 through to 92. It's there all in black and white. But uh, yeah, like I say, I, it's something I really feel strongly about. Not just you, though, is it? Your... No, no, my, me and my team. I mean, I've talked yeah. to the girls. I, I'm still in mm. touch with all the girls. As I, as I said to you the other day, Rick, we are still alive. <laughs> you know, this, this, we are still alive, and I am the oldest one of a lot of them. Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm still alive, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, um, yeah, it's uh, it kind of grieves you a bit. But I remember I was, I was with you at Stanford Bridge. And a lovely day we had there, Rick. Beautiful day. You were special guests. All of you were special guests of the club. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. For the match, I think it was the first Chelsea women's match at Stamford Bridge, wasn't it? And, That's right, against Tottenham, you, yeah. And if you remember, you were introduced to Emma Hayes herself uh, at pitch side. And That's so right. How did that feel? And I know you all follow the current women's team, but... What emotions did you feel meeting Emma and sort of being part of uh, or feeling part of that modern Chelsea women? Well, we was very, we was very, 
uh, it was just so nice to see him. We didn't think they were going to come up and say hello to us. You know, <laughs> that we was invited down to pitch side, and they're like, uh, no, you're not supposed to touch the pitch. But a couple of girls went down that to touch the pitch. I went, you can't do that. You know? But uh, uh, and then they said, oh, um, some of the players and, and maybe coming up to say hello to you. And we all looked at each other and went, oh, really? And yeah, it was an honour for them to come up and say hello to us. Millie Bright was wonderful. Um, oh, Beth England brilliant. got a photo that sits on my mantelpiece with me and Beth England. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they were really lovely. Oh, uh, and then Emma Hayes came up. And I spoke to her and she kind of come up and I just said, oh, I said, uh, uh, we're, the, we're the original Chelsea ladies. And she kind of went to me, yes, I know. And I went, oh, like that. And uh, so I introduced myself to her. Brilliant. And I don't know, I just went, hi, I said, Emma. I said, oh, my name's Pat Bud. I said, oh, I'm the ex-Chelsea Chelsea ladies manager. She went, oh, oh, right, <laughs> you know. But, <laughs> yeah, we had a chat. Um, but um, obviously, um, you know, the bus was waiting for them and that. And we was we felt honoured that we actually finally got recognised for after, what, 40, 45 years. Uh, we all said that, wow. Yeah, when you watch them now as well. Do, I think do, they're is, amazing. I was going to say, is there a little bit of you thinking, mm, if we'd had the training and uh, all the other benefits back then, you know, we could can, have... Can I say something about that, Rick? Mm. Uh, basically, I, I, I've, I've seen many players through the years of me playing football from 72 right through. I've, mm-hmm. I've come across many a players at tournaments, everything, and there's some fan, there were some fantastic players around. And... I've always said this, and I will stand on my soapbox till the cows come home. (laughs) Players of today are no better than players of yesterday. They have just got all the facilities. If we'd have had all that, there would have, you know, like little Diane Harrington, Sheila Clifford, uh, Debbie Olinzed, you know, players of of our time. If we'd have had all that, then... I know it's we're going back 20 years, but, I mean, for what they get to date, I mean, if we had all that extra training, we had all that, everything given to us, given to us, you know, um, the, the psychology side of it, you know, the, mm. if you get an injury. Don't yeah. forget, if we got injured, we had work the next day. Yeah, yeah. We didn't get paid, to, you know. If girls had rent to pay or things like that, you got injured, and there was many of them got injured, broken legs a lot. Um, we can't go work, so we didn't get paid. Mm. You know, so, yeah, we went through an awful lot. But, yeah, when I look at them and I kind of think, yeah, they're fantastic players. There's a few players sometimes that I look at. One's Frank Kirby and um, Karen Carney. When I when I saw them players first playing, I kind of saw in them that I loved the way they played. Mm. They played like old-fashioned football, like what we would play. <laughs> and that's what I loved about And I thought, oh, they're a couple of fantastic players. Well, okay. Yeah. And uh, I loved the way they played like, you know. Yeah. But um, no, um, give them their due. They deserve what they've got. They really do. They're a fantastic side. I think Emma Hayes is fantastic. Um, but like I say, uh, players of our time, they are, I don't think they are any better than what we had, like, years ago but they've got all the training they've got all they've got the coaches they've got everything we didn't have that but if we had the you see these players of today we had we there would have been players like that there was Angie Poppy fantastic player 
Absolutely. You know, she was an amazing player. But we didn't have that coverage of what they get and um, down to training, you name it, they've got it. Fantastic. So that's my opinion. That is my opinion. That's really great to hear your opinion like that as well. Yeah, yeah. But I, I do, I honestly do believe that. Um, but, yeah, I'm uh, pretty proud to see that I kind of look at it and think, not just me, but all the teams around that we played against in our leagues over the years to see where football's come today. And you kind of do look and think, well, we put you there. We put you there. And that's not being, do you know what I mean? We, we had to go through hell to get them where they are today. Brilliant. Absolutely right. And um, it's good that you're being recognised as well, Pat, even on a little podcast like ours. It, it is. Yeah, little <laughs> podcast like this, you know. But no, it's fantastic. I mean, all the girls know I'm doing this. And they're kind of, so they've been, I've had to kind of go to them and say, God, what's, his, what's that name and that, you know? And uh, I've had a few <laughs> things come through as well. Um, they've all basically said to me, you know, good luck with it, Pat. Um, and uh, But no, it just wasn't me. I was not the only person that done what they'd done for their teams. There was other teams, other people, mothers, families, running football teams, exactly. being there and supporting and get, keeping these teams going. And we used to get on quite well with quite a few other teams, of the man, like the, they were, you know, the other managers. We yeah. always really was did get on well with them. Well, you spoke up very well for all of them, Pat. Absolutely brilliant. I've really enjoyed that. Thanks so much, Pat. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. ever so much for joining us, taking the time. Really appreciate it. Rick, thank you very much for inviting me as well. Cheers, Pat. Cheers, mate. So that was really interesting, I thought, Rick. I really liked the way she had so many memories. And it's really the dedication that went through, the fact they had to do everything for themselves. And it cost her so much money, even ploughing her redundancy into yeah. buying a kit so <laughs> the rest of the players could look good when they ran out. What a star. I thought that was fantastic. And, you know, the thing that chimes with you and I both played like weekend football and some of the things that really chime, like all piling into the back of an, an old van <laughs> and, uh, you know, people not being ready when you knock for them and, uh, you know, the kit not matching and all those kinds of things really um, so evocative of that period. And when you think that had they been organised since maybe the 30s or 50s, perhaps Chelsea ladies as they were called then would have been on a different level um already you know and it's taken that time to catch up the other thing i want to say is that really um listening to what pat says there there were times when the flame of chelsea women's football nearly went out it was reduced to a flicker and she she was one of those people that every club needs that fanned that flame until it flared again. And she kept that light going. And I think let's not, let's not underestimate that. Also, the things that she talked about, people might say, mm, the cups that you're talking about, you know, a five-a-side here and a, you know, a sort of a, uh, a football tournament at Clacton, you know, the Highfields one that she talked about. But those are... Uh, you can, you know, those are top teams used to compete at, the, at that tournament and someone had to win it. And, you know, in life, whatever field you're in, you're hardly ever a winner, frankly. You know, mm. you're generally an also ran. And when you do win something, you have to cherish it. And like I said, 
the men's senior team didn't win anything for 50 years. And in the 80s, when we went 26 years, the men's team went 26 years without a, a major trophy, well, we quite liked winning the Four Members Cup, didn't we? we? We liked it even more because we thought that may be the only thing we ever see them lift. Exactly. And so we we milked it. We every that's probably the biggest turnout of Chelsea fans we're ever going to get if we're yes. a match in London or yeah. a match in anywhere in the world. Yeah, a proportion of the of the actual crowd that day, definitely. We saw an attendance of thirty eight thousand for that Spurs win recently. Though sadly, some ticket holders for the postponed West Ham game at the Bridge couldn't make the new date. But how big do you think Chelsea women can become? Well, huge. I, I, I think. I think the, the. I think there's such excitement generally about how brilliantly they play, how vastly improved the overall um, sport has, has become in such a short period of time. I mean, Wembley only hosted the first Women's FA Cup final in 2015 when Chelsea beat Notts County. And actually the Women's Super League, the current competition that they they play in, the league competition, didn't become fully professional until 2018. I mean, you know, that's just crazy, really. And I think, I'm going to put this out here. Well, first of all, Emma Hayes, who is an iconic Chelsea figure, she's been in charge for over a decade. But when she first moved in at Cobham, there wasn't a single full-time member of staff in the women's section. None of them had an office, let alone even a desk. Um, and even she was part-time for the first two years. Uh, and then the, the the club embraced professionalism in 2014-15, pioneers. Uh, we have to respect that. It's a, it was a really good move. And instantly won the league and cup double. Now, obviously there's plenty of time, given the we're talking about recent history, aren't we? There, there's plenty of time and space for the to grow the women's game, and especially um, Chelsea women. And what I'm going to say, Gary, is that I think the contribution of Emma Hayes is such that I think that she will become the first ever Chelsea manager on uh, any of the different teams to have a statue put up in her honour. I really think that. I think she's the contribution and the longevity and the the pioneer spirit and the conscientiousness is such that I think she's a figurehead like Liverpool have Shankly, like Arsenal have Wenger. I think Emma Hayes, uh, I think she's right up there. Well, if that's a proposal, Rick, I'm a seconder. <laughs> in the meantime, it's been great to continue to have a Chelsea fit watching the women's while the men's game takes a break for the World Cup. Oh, absolutely. Well, Gary, blue is the colour, whatever the gender. Absolutely. You've been listening to the famous CFC podcast with me, Gary Brown, and him, Rick Lanville, with special thanks to our guest, Pat Budd. If you liked it, please tell your friends and family, rate us and subscribe on whichever app you're using. Help us promote Chelsea heritage. And in the meantime, play up pensioners. See ya. See ya.